and darkness rules the earth. America is in financial ruin. Europe and Asia are on the brink of self-annihilation. Chaos reigns. But like I've always said, there is opportunity in chaos. And so, my brothers, I give you the skull of Tuganda. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. We're going back in time to 1996 to 1938? Question mark. I think 1938. Yeah, we're going back to... Indiana Jones times and Indiana Jones vibes with the Phantom. And of course, Billy Zane. Billy Zane in purple spandex. Now you're speaking my language. Screams 30s. Yeah, totally. Although, I mean, I'm like jumping ahead to my notes, but I'm, I feel like it's unfortunately like on the nose with the comic costume oh yeah it's like super comic accurate to a fault and now you realize why they've moved away from doing the spandex for everybody because the mcu and every other modern uh, comic book movie would be a little ridiculous looking if they were so faithful like it's painfully identical or painfully faithful yeah yeah like one just at least they like try to put some design on it but I mean, you can see this is the first, I pulled up the first Sunday strip, and it's it's literally just that. So, you know, props to them for being so faithful to the comic, but, um, and yeah, so, you know, it's from, it's from 1936, this comic. We were not exactly, uh, you know, the character design is, is not at the level that it was in coming decades, but kind of crazy to think about just how far back this character goes. And honestly... Until a couple weeks ago when we talked about doing this episode, um, I had never heard of this character or this movie in my life. Yes, some of you might be wondering, of all the superhero films that they could be talking about, why would they choose The Phantom? And the answer is, mind your business. The answer is, okay. I listened to a podcast that's based in Australia called Do Go On, and one of the hosts of that podcast spent... A long time, maybe for a bit, maybe genuine, either way, it doesn't matter, saying how much he loved this film, The Phantom, and I said, we gotta do it. So, uh, you know, do go honors, or hey, do go on hosts, if you're listening to this, this is is for you, because otherwise this movie would have never made it onto our radar. Um, But I'm honestly really glad we watched it, because even though it was like, not great it was very fun yeah i had a great time watching this i was expecting it to be really bad because i knew that like i think the the guy on do go on that was dave Mm -hmm. or matt uh kind of just talked about it as like i know it's like not good and that was the impression that i was getting was kind of like a cult classic thing it bombed and all and i was like this could either be just straight up bad or Maybe just missed the mark for reviewers or movie audiences at the time. And that's definitely how it was for me because I had a great time. It is like kind of um, a cult classic now. So 
Yeah, I think it's still... I'm scrolling through the Wikipedia page, and I think in some places it's still incredibly popular, like, now, but... The movie or the comic? The comic. In the, in the U.S., I don't think you would come across very many people who would be fans. Maybe it looks like there were comics published by DC and Marvel and such over the years, so that would have given the character some exposure, but... Is it associated with Marvel or DC? Um, they've both published uh, its books, so no, I don't. I don't think it was. Yeah, it, it. I think it came into existence probably before. You know, Marvel and DC were even established or existed yet. So. Yeah. So. Um, it's kind of it's similar in era and concept, I would say, to the Racketeer. Yeah. In the made in the nineties, but takes place in the well, forties for the Racketeer, thirties for this. Yeah. Um, and but, also a year before Batman and Robin, just so we know where we're at yeah. in, in our time period. Yeah. It helps ascertain, you know, where we are in comic book movie history. Um, I think Batman being a successful adaptation definitely drove uh, movie studios to kind of dip into these lesser known, but like classic, like kind of pulpy heroes. So between this and the Rocketeer and there was another one a yeah. couple of years before this called um, the shadow with Alec Baldwin, which also didn't do well. I was going to say there was like a couple that it kept getting compared to this like adventure style. Yeah. Movie. Um, which I think that this one, the execution was better in this than it was in the Rocketeer for me personally, but yeah. maybe I just like the Indiana Jones vibe better, but sure. But like, I, I do think that they are, they're very similar. Um, and I know that they must've been, everyone had the same idea and it was, what a very interesting revival for there to be someone else on this. There's a Reddit thread about it. They also pointed out, uh, Dick Tracy, which came out in 1990 and dark man. And also like, uh, you could argue that like the mummy and stuff like this, there's like this weird, like 20s, thirties era action adventure movies. I've never seen the mummy. So I didn't even know that's when that took place. <laughs> Neither did I, to be honest with you. Oh, well, when, when was Indiana Jones made in the eighties? Mm, I think so. Yeah. Late seventies, early eighties. I think that it's like kind of coming to the end of its run, though. This whole um, adventure theme. I mean, I guess Jumanji came out, but that was also in the '80s, so <clears throat> the original. Now they're kind of making a comeback with the new Jumanji and Jungle Cruise came yeah. out. Um, so I don't know. It, it's um, also, I think, part of the reason why I like this, it's just like the Billy Zane of it all, because I like genuinely, like, really adore oh, Billy he's great. Zane. So. Sorry, this is just a little note about, I looked up Jumanji, 1995 for Jumanji. Actually. Oh. And uh, Joe Johnston, who we talked about on that episode, who also did the first Captain America movie, also did Jumanji. So he did The Rocketeer, and then he came back four years later to Jumanji. So we're just, like, in that era yeah. Of these, but um some some better execution than others. This one obviously was like a huge flop at the box office. I think it made like half of what the budget was. It's a shame, but I also I do get it. But I also don't know what people would have been expecting 
from a movie like this. Because I think Roger Ebert liked it. Then again, he has he always had like a unique taste. But I don't know. This seemed like a really good time. But maybe that's just not what the audiences were looking for back in 96, you know? It also has kind of like a wild cast. Like, well, now watching it, every person that came on the screen, I was like, I feel like I know them from something. Like, they're famous enough that they've been in a lot of stuff, but they're not, like, household names. Totally. Like, the the lead female, like, I was like, I feel like I've seen her in something, and I'm pretty sure I have. Um, the main bad guy... Drax. Xander, yeah. Xander Drax. I mean, obviously, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Billy Zane have made a name for themselves outside of this, but I would... And I'm sure the other ones, too, but just, like, in terms of, like, holding their star power, yeah. really only those two did I know for sure who they were. Yeah, everyone else was, like, flirting with being A-listers, at least at the time, I'm sure. Good cast, though. I enjoyed everybody. I was... I had some fun facts for the end, but they were supposed to do like at least a sequel to this and um, with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Billy Zane and the other lead female, but yeah, it did not happen. That was a bold plan for and a then, movie like this. I think there were going to be a couple of revivals of it and then it just never ended up happening. I think it would be fun if they did it now and I think they could do it in a really cool way. I think it it deserves it. I think it would be good. Because I know, like... Like a Shazam, kind of. I feel like the market is there now, especially, like, with the revival of everything. Maybe it would have been, you know, even better a couple years ago. But if you're out there, I don't know who uh, holds the rights these days. Like, I know Joe Johnston or somebody wants to do another Rocketeer. So why don't we have somebody out here uh, trying to do the same thing for The Phantom? A crossover. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would work great. World War II looms. Well, I guess the Rocketeer takes place after World War II, doesn't it? During. During. It's and this like takes place right before. Yeah. Um, yeah, but let's get into it. So I love a quick recap at the beginning. We get a little like lore, kind of Star Wars-y, like this is what's happening. And it has the thing the that's world. like, in case you're late or something, yeah. like, which I thought was very cute. Uh, and it was like, yeah, all like the black and white, very like old school movie theater aesthetic, let you know what you're in for. I like that it sets it up to be like this mystical, again, Indiana Jones type thing. But then it's like, no, just like passing it down. Yeah. The sun is yeah. Like, Create the image of immortality. Um, it's very just like, I guess, realistic before that was like a thing in comic books. Like it's very down to earth. Or, yeah. Um, what's like, the word that we always use for the Marvel ones? Like, like grounded. Te- yeah. Grounded. Yeah. Taking place in the real world. Yeah. Like this guy doesn't really have like these powers or anything. He just. I would say he's like not even that great at it yet. <laughs> what? He's been doing it for 12 years, right? Is that 12. what he said? Really? Because I thought she was like, I haven't seen you in I thought it seven said, years or I thought something. It said 12. I thought I read 12. But either way, he's been doing it for a fair number Long of enough. years. Um, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't have super strength. He mostly just, he has a spandex and a couple of pistols. And he's like clever. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole plain horse thing. He's got a great pet. Dog yes. wolf. Devil. Um, all I could think in the beginning was this guy is Indiana Jones's worst nightmare or Nathan Drake, um, because he is, a 
you know, he's he's the uh, he's the protection. You are not going to take any of these artifacts and take them to a museum without his permission. Well, are they even taking them to a museum? Because I well, thought he's kind of protecting them from like the pirates yeah. or the Sang Brotherhood. I don't know if it makes a difference, just because like you I know mean, when yeah, he sees the skull, but... he's like, they, "This is just like misplaced. Like that's not a lost civilization or anything." Which reminded me of like Killmonger. Yeah. In Black Panther. So, yeah, whether or not it's just about the pirates taking it or, you know, like genuine, like, explorers who don't mean any harm, I guess. I don't know. I feel like they actually, like, use the Indiana Jones set. Like, that bridge. I was like, is this from Temple of Doom? Just, it's just so, like... I have no idea. Like, I know this movie is generally just, like, set in Asia and they shot it in... Th- or it's set in Thailand, Thailand and Australia. Um, well, it's but, actually a fake country. Yeah. Bengal, okay. Well, but it's basically Thailand. But yeah, it, it totally just is like rope bridge in jungle <laughs> number 800. And I'm not sure if that bridge could have ever held that truck's weight period, let alone when it's flipped over. <laughs> I'm sure it was hanging on by like three vines that was a very well-designed rope bridge. So shout out to you, structural engineers. I mean, going back to what you were saying about like preventing the pirates and stuff, I mean, this movie is just like epitomizing colonialism like at its finest. Like Even down to the Phantom, it's still like a white guy protecting this other nation. That might be, um, you know, that might be something that's stalling out a, a new adaptation is the optics. Cause I think what, what I would read was the original story of the phantom was that he was somewhere in Asia and then they retconned it to him being in Africa. I don't know why, but either way. Yeah. The, this like white man being the, the defender of his, his jungle friends. Well, I hope if they I, did it now, they would pick somebody that was like, native to whatever country they're yeah making it take place in. yeah and like i i got it more when it's just like but i i still don't know why the first person that was deemed because like, it fit was to get these powers was because it was just some guy i know but it's like jung it's like um the 30s like of course they're gonna pick a white guy to be the lead of a comic. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like in universe, like why these people were like, oh, like you just like. Well, they said that he like the kid got like kidnapped or something. There is a story I at know, the very but, like, beginning, but it still was just like they they like gave him like this thing. I'm like, they saw him as a god. But, like why? <laughs> I guess they did. That's yeah. what they said. Um. A lot of questions about Catherine Zeta-Jones' role in this film. Her character is super all over the place. It became very clear to me at the end that this is really a romance between her and Diana. Yeah, we're just, like, seeing this, like, we're supposed to think it's between her and Billy Zane, but, like, no. It is obviously not. She's not interested. She goes on an arc, and, like, she and Diana fly off together into the sunset on an airplane. And Billy Zane's dad is like, go get her son. I'm like, that's not happening. Nope. She's going to come back. She'll come back to visit, but she'll be there with Catherine Zeta-Jones. 
Um, but yeah, her whole, I mean, I like how they incorporated women in this movie a lot better than like the Racketeer, which was one of my like criticisms of it. Um, even though like, I know what time period we're in, but it is the nineties. Or Indiana Jones. Like, well, Indiana Jones is like bond basically. Like I can't even talk about that. That's like past the point of no return. (laughs) That's also like even a decade earlier. Right. Right. Um, but this is like the same year as the Rocketeer, or a year after. It's five years later. What? Rocketeer was nineteen ninety one. This was nineteen ninety six. I keep thinking it was like the exact same time. But I mean, still close. Same Whatever. Close enough. They have this like whole like battalion of women bad guys, which I think is great. She's like all of my women are pilots, and like she's got her thing. Um, Diana, who I keep forgetting her name. I have to look at my notes every time. I want to call her Laura or something. I don't know. But Diana. Laurel Palmer from Twin Peaks? Is that what you're thinking of? Must be. Big um, Twin Peaks fan over here. <laughs> uh, Diana is uh, a very capable person. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's all fun. Not really the damsel in distress type, which is refreshing. Even though she is in, like, distressing situations, like... She's got, she can ha- handle yeah, herself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that can be done without making it, like, the sole defining characteristic of the of the individual. And they do that well. Xander Drax, though, starts with, starts and ends with X. Uh, <laughs> that was explains. a very funny line. Um, I loved this dude as a villain uh, with his henchman, James Remar, who played Ajax in The Warriors, notable shithead. Uh, Both of those guys look so familiar to me, but I like don't really know them from like one particular thing. I think I've just seen them in a bunch of things. Towards the end, uh, Drax started reminding me of Jim Carrey, but I wouldn't say that all the way through. He kind of reminded me of Carrie Elwes. Yeah, but uh, he's a he's a shady man, and I like how they present him as the villain. Especially with uh, the brutal way that he kills that dude uh, in the beginning of the movie who betrays him and he kills him with the microscope and just perusing Reddit, um, reading about this movie. That seems to be one of the scenes that has been burned into a lot of people's memories because people are like, oh, I saw this movie when I was a kid and I forgot most of it. But like, that was some fucked up shit. The microscope thing. Oh, yeah, I closed my eyes for um, that. I mean, yeah, like, really brutal. But tells you the kind of guy that, that Drax is. You know, if it wasn't clear enough from him um, threatening to buy the newspaper. Let me tell you, though, Phantom, he's got some good quips. Yeah. This this movie had, like, Kind of Spider-Man-y. Yeah. And the whole thing was very um, quippy. They kept saying, like... What was it like? That's like a jungle saying. Oh yeah, Constantly, it's an old jungle, old jungle saying. saying. Like non. All of that stuff was really funny. Yeah, it was like his a, like little side guy. Yeah, it was like a. I thought the script was good. I mean, it's very like true to the source material and time period. I think without coming off like it is corny, but not like I wasn't rolling my eyes at it the whole time because it was like smart anyway. I just had to confirm something about Sandra Drax. So, like, that actor, I the whole time it reminded me of, like I was saying earlier, Carrie Ellis. But, like, 
specifically him playing this like very goofy part in Ella Enchanted where he's just like a caricature with like this like mustache and I'm like like the whole time we were watching I was like he reminds me of like a very specific character and that's what it was so nice. I just needed to resolve that for myself and for anyone listening um I have a fan theory about Billy Zane Let's obviously go. so as we all know Billy Zane was on the Titanic and survived and I think that he had to redefine himself after the Titanic incident. It was like a life-changing moment, and he became a good person and turned into the Phantom. I love that. So <laughs> I was like, I asked you what year this took place so I could make that <laughs> note. I was like, Lock it's, it down. it's possible. He'd be like 40. He'd be like 50. He's aged well. Yeah, but... um. He, did. he needed fun. to turn his life around after all that. I was definitely very distressed. We both were very distressed in the scene where he and Diana escape on the seaplane and he leaves Devil on the boat. Very worried. Fortunately, I was like, how could you leave your companion? But he had a plan. I thought he was going to like come back around and... Devil would like jump onto the plane. Yeah, I or thought something. he was gonna definitely jump onto. But no, it's okay because he can talk to horses. Well, he just kind of chased the horse. The horse knew it was up though. He stood in front of him and like went, and they like nodded at each other. Well, that's the magic. That was they were there was some telepathy there. There's a uh, there's a moment, I believe, in the scene where Drax is having everybody convene in his boardroom, right. And the other a like, very, brutal death scene. A very scene. 30s New York. Well, yeah, a guy does get speared to death. But before that, um, he he's talking about like how everything's going crazy. And he's like, there's opportunity in chaos. And all I could think about was the line from Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, chaos is a ladder. I'm like, was, was there some inspiration here? Was George R.R. R. Martin like... Man, I really love the Phantom. Like, really? <laughs> I mean, I would believe that because he's like a quirky dude, but I'm sure that's kind of a, a thing. I mean, Drax wishes he was on Littlefinger's level of cunning, but, you know, I like the line. I like the sentiment. He's got confidence. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, I think the moment that Catherine Zeta-Jones realized that she belonged with women was when she was like, he has to be in love with her because otherwise he had the chance to be with me. And then she kind of just realized that like, I don't need to be with a man. I need to be with Diana. And Diana tells her, you have to figure out what you want. And that's what she did. The B plot of this movie, man. I'm just saying, did no one else pick up on this stuff? Somebody must have. Somebody must have. Also, can we talk about how... Billy Zane paid the cab driver in with stones. precious gems, which he got appraised in like minutes. two minutes. Minutes. I mean, he knows that guy. He's in New York. He's like, I got these stones. That's <laughs> what just, he said. I just love it. He was just like, you know what? I'll be right back. <laughs> I mean, for all we know, they're in the Diamond District. It's true. It's uncut gems. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's the crossover that we need. No. A safety no, 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 no. A, I need a Safdie Brothers-directed Phantom reboot. Um, it's going to be darker than the Batman. <laughs> the only 
time I was making a comparison to Batman and Robin, I, I put it on that level, was I had to take a step back and appreciate the the level of effects that they had to work with, both for Batman and Robin and for this. Like, when they do the skulls, anything with the skulls, skulls going together and the lasers, I was like, oh, God, I see now what was happening with Batman and Robin. It's, I think we're in this, like, time where, okay, we've, like, we know how to do stuff now with effects, but it's, like, not good enough that it holds up, but it's, Almost like maybe we should have just kept doing like the smoke and mirrors like we did in like Indiana Jones and stuff like that. They absolutely rather than using computer. Have. It's the same thing that happens in like Star Wars too, like the prequels or whatever. It's like, oh god, we we get it. Like you can do CGI now, but that doesn't mean you should. Yeah, I don't know. We're just the '90s are a bad time for like trying to get effects right. It is, and it's this isn't as flagrant as the Batman movies because those are just so much like more in your face. But like, yeah, every time something blew up, I was like, I'm I miss, I miss practical effects sometimes. Yeah, and it's so noticeable when you watch movies from this era. I mean, I would say we really don't turn a corner until X-Men, which is 2000. So it is really like the 90s are yeah. rough. Yeah, they went all in and we just weren't ready for it yet. We just weren't. You know, I love a scene in a empty Central Park, just unexplainably empty. I guess you can always make the argument that it's at night and nobody's there, but... I think there's always somebody in Central Park. When were they in Central Park? Oh, at they're the chasing zoo. him. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, then he goes to the zoo and almost gets a couple cops eaten by a lion. Apparently, they cut some scenes. Like there was supposed to be a scene where he's like fighting a tiger, and I don't know if it was gonna be that tiger or like one in the jungle. And a scene where he's supposed to like fight a snake was also cut. How many animals are we going to fight? They were cutting a lot because the goal of this movie was to keep it really fast I I read something about that. There are going to be more scenes between him and Diana. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Which I do think they succeeded in making it fast-paced, but I kind of missed some of that. Like, I could have used some more of that interpersonal stuff. Just a bit of downtime. Yeah. yeah, Or to, like, establish them knowing each other more because they, like, have this whole backstory of, like, knowing each other in college yeah, and they kind of throw it off with, like, three lines worth of stuff. Yeah. I do like that she knows who it is. Yeah. She, like, figures it She's out. not an idiot. I think that's cute. He doesn't have much of a disguise. Right. But that that's, again, like, it being, like, kind of realism in this movie where I feel like that was kind of, like, not the norm for superhero stuff to do, like, realism. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. but I think it helps that there was no, like, supernatural element to it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Sci-fi. I really like the running bit of the Phantom talking to his dad, but also talking yeah, to himself. After I just said there's no like supernaturalness, he is talking to a ghost the whole time, but I think that's fair. He's on the spirit plane. Who doesn't? And like, I like when he's in the cab doing that. And oh, yeah. The that's cab driver's like, funny. are you talking to me now? Yeah. And he's just so like nonchalant about it. He's nonchalant about everything in this movie. He's just going with the flow. Um, but so does the Phantom have any powers? I mean, I know he wears that ring and like that does something at the end, but like my understanding, he did not. That's my interpretation too. I'm going to check to like, see if he, if he has in the comics or if he just fights. Yeah. Confirmed. Unlike many other superheroes, the Phantom has no superpowers. 
He totally relies on his strength, intelligence, and the myth of his immortality to take action against the forces of evil. He was the first fictional hero to wear a skin-tight costume, which has become a hallmark of comic book superheroes, and was the first shown in a mask with no visible pupils. So he's considered to be kind of a, a transitional hero between like really early pulp magazine heroes um, into heroes like Superman and Batman. What I don't understand what you mean when you say like pulp. Um, like they were called pulp because they were printed on really cheap paper, and it was just like you could say that those are like like old school like crime or like noir books. Uh, they were Penny Dreadfuls, like the TV show. Mm-hmm. Were like they're like really cheap books, Magazines. and they were considered like low class, kind of like not for the, not for the uh, um, discerning reader. And so characters like The Shadow, which is another one that they right. adapted in the '90s, came from books and magazines like that. Should we finish the trilogy and watch The Shadow? Tell Probably. Us. Oh. Yeah, but also tell us. Um, if you really want to see it, we can push it up the sketch, you know. Diana seems unfazed by now being kidnapped twice. The one on the first one on the airplane is terrifying. They get basically gunned down. Yeah, they were all like, we will kill everybody here until you reveal yourself. And well, they like, have to put the plane in the water. Yeah. Yeah, no, she is. And um, she's, I mean, she's very brave. She's clearly a Gryffindor. She's like, it's me. I'm here. Whatever. Like, I. I don't care. Surprisingly okay with everything that's happening. And then, yeah, later she's like, yeah, I guess I'm coming with you guys. I don't know. You know, I don't know what she's been up to before this uh, intimately, but she seems to be no stranger to danger. That was not intentional. (laughs) (laughs) When they get to this, like, abandoned... Or not abandoned ship, but like the the old pirates that, um, you know, whatever. They're doing their thing. Yeah. I feel like they're using the set and maybe the mannequins from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World. (laughs) I hope they are. I was like, what? Where are we? (laughs) What is happening? Um, (laughs) What are you guys doing there? Like, do you just stay there all the time? Do you go around in pirate or... If they're not, if they don't, then they're really bad pirates. I mean, have they pirated enough that they don't need to anymore? The pirates do that? I feel like pirates say they want to do that, but they don't. They can never stop pirating, pirateering. Now, one, my only significant plot fail of this movie, flaw, fail, flail, (laughs) um, was... They're flailing. The fact that... He was like, I know where the first head is or whatever. So they like go into the jungle to get this like first skeleton head. And then the second one has been in this museum the entire time. But he's like, and I have a lead on where the second one is. I'm like, shouldn't that be the first one that we go after? I mean, like they only could have made that make sense if he had collected all the other ones first. And then is like, this I'll just go easy. pick this one up. But yeah. no. Very confusing. Drax's I mean, not really, were slacking. it was just kind of silly. And maybe the worst plan on the Phantom's part to be like, we'll rescue this first, crash, punch through the glass. I'm like, you've been showing us how like clever you are this whole time. He had no plan. 
no plan. Absolutely not. And immediately got caught. Like that was embarrassing <laughs> for him. It's not his finest hour. And Diana was right. She was saying we can, you know, she was suggesting. Yeah, plans. she had a good idea. You didn't listen, Billy. You always got to listen. And then I only had one other note about the actual film. I had a handful. Uh, surprisingly good action scenes. I gotta say. Yeah. Like, not, not strictly, like, the fighting, like, the fight choreography or anything, but the moment where he, like, sneaks onto the seaplane, like, as they're flying to the, the devil's vortex. I was like, damn, this is pretty cool. And um, when they crash the plane into the mountain... And like Diana has to jump off onto the the horse. I know that was earlier, but I was like, these oh, are yeah. these are like really fun set pieces. Yeah, I mean, even like the fighting stuff was like fun. Yeah, like nothing crazy. I think that benefited from the fact that he doesn't have superpowers. Yeah, because I feel like that could have made it way worse. But no, my my guy just runs around with a couple pistols and shoots them with his arms crossed. <laughs> Yeah, this will look cool. That was also kind of interesting because we're so used to like superheroes that like specifically like don't kill their enemies, and he's like, "No, give me a gun," or yeah, like I don't use guns, and it's like, no, "No." he was he was murking those pirates. It makes me miss when a Falcon, like as an MCU Falcon, used to run around with uh, submachine guns. He has apparently retired those, but. And you know the uh, the uncharted vibes just hit me further because there's just something about a a mysterious island in the middle of the sea that is literally uncharted. I just I just love it. It reminded me more of um, Indiana Jones or not Indiana Jones James Bond and um, it's like Goldfinger. Yeah. Or uh, yeah yeah. Or was it? There's a lot of island layers. Yeah, but the one where he's like, oh no, the man with the with the golden gun. Yes, yeah, that's it. That's the one. That one. Gold finger. Not that one. <laughs> um, I don't remember the song from Man with the Golden Gun. Me I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, there is a moment between Drax and Billy Zane, the Phantom, where he's like got his. It's like the end with the ring and the skulls. Yeah. I just wrote Priory Incantatum, which is like a Harry Potter thing for those who know, you know. Totally, though. I mean. I thought like dead bodies were going to start coming out of the skulls. <laughs> the ghost of his dad comes back. Take you my body back. <laughs> um, the Take whole... my body back to the jungle. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's too sad. Sorry. How dare you? How dare you stand where he stood? Um, <laughs> the whole like encounter at the end was very entertaining to me because I I liked everybody's kind of annoyance about the Phantom keeping like how he keeps coming back. Yeah. Because Xander's like, like yeah, I, I killed him, and then Kabaisang is like, Yeah, like join the club, dude. Yeah. Uh, and he was just. He was not in it for very long, obviously, but I liked his character. He like kind I of played too. it like he was having fun, especially because he was just roasting Drax the whole time. And uh, his Drax's buddy, who thought he was hot shit, 
proceeded to stare down the barrel of a cannon for like 30 seconds before they actually shot him with it. Embarrassing. The the slowest reaction time. Also didn't know that it was his actual brother that he like let just Yeah. Yeah. That was not not clear. Not the loyalty that we're used to seeing from our mob friends. No. Absolutely no honor amongst thieves, apparently. Mm. Is that where that saying comes from? The Phantom? I'm just kidding. And when Kabai Sang is fighting the Phantom on the like boat or whatever, um, I, there's like a small moment where some guy tries to come in and hit the Phantom from the side, and Kabai Sang kills him because he was like, This is my fight. Like, oh, step yeah. off. I was like, Okay, I like this. He gets fed to the sharks. That's a real James Bond moment, too. Yeah, well, they love sharks in James Bond. They do. Bond. I mean, the... the it's like the, Indiana snakes. Yeah. I think I would I would rather be in a lair that had some sharks in the water rather than a pit filled with snakes, though. Really? I mean... I don't know. It's a pretty... It's a lose-lose situation. <laughs> I don't know why I created this hypothetical for myself. But I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I can't make that decision right now. Okay. Are we so, ready for yeah, some fun Yeah, this facts? is a, you know, we've been doing a lot of like two hour episodes so far. So we're going to keep this one more on the brief side. So if you've been worried about our, our episode length here, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about this one for two hours. Worry no more because we have the Dark Knight coming up after this, which I'm sure will be a lengthy episode yeah don't worry we'll make up for any lost time um but we do have some fun facts yes and i the one that i almost mentioned earlier was when we were talking about you know the vibes here and the the similarities to batman joel schumacher that was gonna be my fun fact oh my goodness well there's only so many fun facts yeah well do you want to no go ahead uh he was considered as director, and it was my interpretation of how I read it, was that he was considered first, and then somebody else was brought on who left, and then we had uh, the final director, who I am not familiar with at all. But we truly just cannot escape the shadow of the 90s Batman movies, can we? We really can't. It will come back to haunt us constantly. Um, I did have a couple other ones... Um, well, the director that did end up doing it is Australian, oh, um, and which is partly why they did some of the shooting in Australia, and he saved them like $12 million as a result of doing it in Australia. Still didn't help overall with um, like the budget, but... Um, one, than it would have been otherwise, I guess. Um, apparently, Billy Zane spent... Over a year and a half getting muscular enough to look like the Phantom. Which seems like a really long time to be like. Not only is that completely unnecessary. I mean, I know that like. Like he looked are still great. Doing... Don't get me wrong. It's Billy Zane. Yeah, but like. I mean, like I'm sure I could have. I, I would have been able to tell if he hadn't. But like this costume does not exactly. No, I mean, you can, especially his chest, like, it, it's, Yeah, like I mean, you can defining. tell that he's, like, in shape, but that's just, that's a lot. That's really a lot of work. Um, but he was up against Bruce Campbell. Really? And um, Kevin Smith. 
a New Zealand actor, not Kevin Oh, not, Smith. not that. I was like, what? Um, but the funniest part about this was he studied the character's body language and comic strip artwork, carefully imitating it in his performance. That which, sounds like bullshit. I think Billy Zane did a great job, but I'm like, what are you imitating? You're just being like a normal. He's just like looking at comics pages and then he's just like standing with his arms out. He's like, all right, I got this. I mean, he does like climb around a bit, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, for those who are fans, they used the Hugh Hefner Playboy Mansion as the Palmer's Mansion. That was one of mine. Because Damn. Hugh Hefner was a fan of the Phantom. I didn't know that part. And they talked about uh, Hugh Hefner on Do Go On as well, didn't they? Yes, they did. They didn't make that crossover, though. Unfortunate. Um, what were some of your other fun facts? Um, that's it. Okay. <laughs> My other one was about it supposed to be a trilogy and you already, uh, nabbed that one. Yeah. Not a lot of, um, you know, background on the production of this for, you know, I guess it, it wasn't like particularly dramatically troubled or anything. It just kind of, um, just kind of flopped. And I don't think there's too many people fiending for the details these days. So there's only so much out there. Um, a couple other things that I saw when I was perusing the Wikipedia page is, like, they changed, like, names around. Like, they didn't keep to, like, the names from the comics. Oh. Um, and, like, they kind of combined stories. Like, Quill's name is not supposed to be Quill. It's supposed to be something else. That was the, the big one that I saw. Um... And that most of the Phantom stories, like, aren't necessarily this, like, adventure style, but they kind of, because of, like, the other movies that were coming out, they, like, specifically chose stories that fit that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. But um, most importantly, the Phantom 2 would have covered the Catherine Zeta-Jones, uh, Diana no! love story. I need a, I I need think, a sequel now. I mean, I think that's canon, but who's who can say for sh- for certain? Oh, I did have one other thing that I forgot about. Um, I think the original character design in the comics, he had the purple spandex, but he also had like a striped kind of. Underwear. It looks like he's wearing underwear on the outside but of his see, spandex. He's fit. Yeah, that's what Billy Zane's trying to be. I mean, his thighs were not as jacked, apparently. That he didn't he didn't pull that part off. What was he doing for twenty puns? <laughs> um, but yeah, he wears like this kind of. I don't know if it's like. I don't know it's what like color it's supposed to be, uh, but it's striped underwear. Oh, blue! And I'm pretty sure they, they tried to do that as part of the costume, and they were like, "No, this is not working." I mean, just the all purple spandex. It's just it's bold. Well, this was fun. I'm glad we watched it because I think we were kind of putting it off and it ended up being yeah. really fun. Especially after like, oh, it's like, oh, we're going to watch Batman Begins. Oh, and then we're going to watch The Phantom. But honestly, like, if you are the kind of person that likes like those old school like adventure movies, kind of globe trying adventures that are like light, um, I would recommend this. Yeah, it's, it's way lighter watch. than Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, and more... Adult than like Jumanji. Yeah. But uh, Jumanji is a great film. Nothing can right. beat it. I'm not putting down these other movies, but it's like a, it occupies a space that not many movies do now. 
I mean, really, like, there are so many similarities to The Racketeer. And yeah. just for, like, a couple of reasons, I like this one better. Like, The Racketeer is still, like, fun, but it didn't hit me the same way as this one. And I'm going to give kudos to Billy on that one. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, I think it did a lot of things better. I think I, I like them for different reasons, but I, I would recommend this one. Um, I don't think time or, you know, history has been kind to it. But I don't think it deserves uh, to be to be dumped on now. I don't think it does. I think people kind of hold it hold it in their hearts. Or perhaps it's just kind of forgotten. It's forgotten, but I think the people that do remember it, like I think it's like a nostalgia warmness. Even some of the reviews I was just looking at, like had nice things to say about it. They're like, it's just it feels good. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but great. All right. Well. Um, who could the phantom take on? Or, okay, this is more fun. We won't do a head-to-head because I feel like that's kind of unfair to, uh, Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna have a hard time. Um, who would you want to direct it now? Like, in what style? Oh. Of, like, like, either, like, the Marvel movies or, like, the Zack Snyder, Jocelyn, like, that kind of stuff. Interesting. I Um, think I have my answer. Well, give me give me yours. I'm gonna to try to think about it for a sec. I'm gonna say Taika Waititi, similar to like a Thor Ragnarok vibe, like mm. something kind of like. I mean, obviously it's not taking place in space, but like a little like leaning into the absurdness of yeah. it. Yeah, but I think he would be a really good fit for it. I'm trying to think of somebody that could like do it without coming off as like kind of like rolling eyes at how ridiculous the phantom is but also like not playing it totally straight i mean i think we kind of hate him now but like joss whedon would like have so much fun with this character yeah i agree i think he would although one that comes to mind i was just like looking um weirdly james wan who did aquaman or mm, yeah david uh sandberg who did shazam I oh yeah, both, I know you mentioned the Shazam, Shazam earlier, for so sure. I think they could both do a really good job with it. I think if the Phantom came out like today, um, it would feel like a Shazam movie. So that's a really good suggestion. Yeah. So hey, you know DC should just bring back Shazam, or <laughs> they already do. DC should just bring the back the Phantom and next summer. put it into the universe because why the hell not? Which yeah, I'm just gonna say this real quick. DC has already filmed. Like, been done filming Shazam 2, and it's not coming out till next summer. Yeah, they're fucking 2023. Up. We could do a whole episode talking about how DC has dropped the ball. <sighs> okay. I hate to end it on that note, but... Well, on a brighter note for DC, we'll be back next week talking about The Dark Knight. Not on a bright note. On a dark <gasps> night note. Yes. Uh, very excited about that. I only have one rule. Like and subscribe. <clears throat> Five-star review on the Apple Store. That's Uh, a very good Batman. Good job, Chris. Thank you. All right. Well, on that note, we we are are out out of the the superverse. superverse.